All right, it is good to see everybody at the chapel this morning. Amen. How many people enjoying the rain this morning? Yeah, nothing like rain. You know, I had a great day yesterday, and... uh, Gwen and I were able to attend a a wedding or a renewal of vows of Wayne and Mary Sparks. They sit in the back back here, this young couple back here. So they're, I guess you could say they're newlyweds again this afternoon. And, And they came to church on, that's dedication, let me tell you. Forget the honeymoon, come to church. That's dedication. That's commitment. All right. Well, today uh, I'm pleasantly able to, how do I say this, announce that Gwen is going to speak. So let's give her a hand as she comes. And uh, Gwen and I have uh, enjoyed pastoring the chapel now last January for 30 years, coming on 31, and what we enjoy, you guys have always been a blessing to us in so many ways, but one of the number one, if not number one, is when you share uh, what God is doing in your life and how God has brought you through things and how God is just a wonderful father, and uh, that's called fruit, you know, to bear fruit, to see things happen in a person's life, and uh, this week, we received one of those reports, and, and we were just like, wow, God, you're so good, and reminded us of his faithfulness in our life. And I want to ask a young couple to come up to our uh, to the platform. This, th- let's give them a hand, Justin and Kristen Cruz. And, uh, you know, I would like to jump in the middle of it, you know, and, and uh, tell you all the good news, but I want to let Justin share the goodness of God. Yeah. Okay, so... It's kind of, it's always like one of those things where do you start, but first things first, we love y'all, and um, if you know our story, if you know anything when we've been married, the things that we've done as we started marrying, wanted to start a family, I mean, you think you probably know where this is going, you've probably been anticipating this, but I'm just going to get it, I'm going to rip the band-aid off here, because we got a, we got a word we want to hear, but Kristen is seven weeks pregnant, so <laughs> it's super exciting. We thank y'all for y'all's prayers. Uh, we have a huge testimony behind it, and I don't want to take up all the time just sharing it all. We're, we'll, we want you to come talk to us after service, and just we'll share it, and we'll, we'll just enjoy that with you. But he is good. God is faithful, and he has just blown our minds <laughs> this week. So we love y'all. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you. Love you guys. Congratulations. Congratulations. And we'll be announcing the shower, all that good stuff that we can bless them with. Um, You know, I knew Justin when he was, you know, this tall. (laughs) He's always been tall. But he he was a young child, really, in the children's ministry and and grew up in the church. And uh, what I love is just doing life together. And when I remember back and Lisa volunteered, she had... Uh, done a whole lot in the church and worship and different things, but she chose to help in the youth ministry, uh, do the junior high young boys, which Justin was part of that, Mark was part of that, and a couple other ringtail tutors, if you know what I mean. They're just honorary little boys, 
and, and the, the title of the class was, I believe, Grapple. And Lisa would come back on Sunday night and go, mm, mm. I have the ability to interpret. <laughs> and just walking with people through life. Isn't that great? That they believed for a child and we're going to believe for a healthy, bouncing, young, little baby. John is also a good name if you just are looking for just, But <laughs> Joan, if it's a girl. But anyway... Janana, anyway, but anyway, so pleasant to hear that those good words in the news. Let's let Gwen go get it. Go get it, Gwen. Well, let's start in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you for the opportunity just to uh, prioritize your word today. We're grateful for uh, this amazing Sunday that we could act, all gather as a church family. Lord, your hand is on this congregation, your hand is on this church body, and so we count it an honor to be a part of what you're doing in this church, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, are you ready? All right, you might have the your Bible app, uh, your digital device, get ready, we're going to look, first of all, at Romans 12, 2. Um, hopefully, you're enjoying the weather. You know, the fact that you're here today, on a Sunday, uh, when you could be anywhere else, that makes you different. Did you know that? You're different. There, there are people that got up this Sunday morning, even in the Christian community, that d looked out and saw that it had been raining, and then they jumped back in bed. Or they said, we're not going out there today or, or whatever. But now here you are, so look around. You're different. Um, there's a lot that makes us different. And so we're going to talk a bit about some of the things that God is doing in the church universal, in, in the lives of people who will say, I'm a Christ follower. I'm going to follow him. Some of you, you got here an hour before church started because you play an instrument or you're on one of the serve teams or we've got people that are in children's ministry and nursery. They don't get paid. That's different. Some of you, you know where you'll be every Sunday on a regular basis. You don't even think about it. Unless you're on vacation, you know where you'll be. You are set apart. You're different. Romans 12.2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. What are, what are those first words? Don't be conformed. Um, I like it in a little different version. I, I think um, I gave them the wrong version. Um, so not to confuse, but I want to I say I like the, I think it's the New King James Version that says, don't be conformed. Well, why would the writer of that passage, why would Paul say, don't be pressed, don't be conformed to the way the world does things, if there wasn't going to be a pressure zone. Are you ever in a pressure zone at work? Or let me tell you this, you probably don't even realize sometimes the pressure. When you're just sitting and trying to catch up on the news, there's some pressure in our world. And you can sit there and think, 
you know what? I'm I'm different. (laughs) I'm different. I I don't think like that. That's a good thing. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By renewing your mind. Congratulations to you for coming to church on a Sunday. We're renewing our mind every week. In fact, for the most part, we don't even realize how our lives are changed on a weekly basis. Week after week after week, we come and hear the word. And then you, some of you, are even more different. You read your Bible most every day of the week. And you're asking the Lord, what do you want out of my life? How can I best glorify you? You are different. So... Let's look at a a few scriptures. I want to look at some examples. And I want to, my goal today is that we leave today encouraged and strengthened in who we are to be as the church, as Christians. Listen, as parents, as marriage partners. This goes into every area of your life as an employee. You and I should have a mark of distinction. It is on you. It's on your life if you've asked Jesus into your heart. If you've made Jesus Lord of your life, you are different. You are distinct. Think about it. If you had been born into the Rockefeller family, you'd have some advantages that not everybody has. You'd be different. You'd stand apart. People would treat you differently. You are a son or a daughter of Christ Jesus, of Father God. You should be different. Your life should be a level above. We're not superior we don't, it's not about putting other people down. There's plenty of place up at the top when you are in the body of Christ, when you're in the family of God, to rise to a level of distinction. As you go to Exodus chapter 33, we're going to read those first three verses. But I want to read something to you as you're going there. Exodus 19.5, God said to the Israelite people, You shall be my own possession among all the people of the earth. He set them aside and said, You're different. You see, he had to do this because um, it, it was his plan because sin entered the world and then everything got really corrupt. you remember? And then the earth had to, it was just so corrupt with, I'm, I'm talking more than what we would recognize today. Sometimes you turn on a media and you look and think, wow, the world's getting really bad. It's always been bad. In fact, it's been worse. Um, in ancient times, it was really worse. We know that in, in the time of Noah that God looked uh, and he saw that there was no one righteous but one person, Noah. And so God worked through that one family. Well, um, through in the Old Testament, we see where God's plan was among all the sin to find a people that would follow him. Why? Because he wanted a family. There's this distinction that comes with those who follow God. And God wanted there to be a distinct difference between his family and those that did not choose him. So God spoke to Abraham and Sarah. Do you remember this part? We hear it often because Abraham's the father of our faith. God spoke to a man, and he gave this couple a promised child. So family has always been God's idea. When you're listening to things out in culture, remember, family's not just an inconvenience or a tradition. It is God's idea. It is God's plan. And it is the most successful system that works It works. Strong families produce a strong nation, which produces the fabric of a good society. God started with Abraham and Sarah to bring about a nation. He told them, through your son, there will be an entire nation that will shine forth my glory in the earth. And so from that family came a nation. 
And in Exodus 33, what we're going to read about the Israelites, they had they come to a place. This is Abraham and Sarah's kids, remember? They've grown into a nation. So all these many years later, they have been enslaved for 400 years. And so here they are in a place, and God, the reason they were enslaved, by the way, is because there had been famine. So they moved into this area, and they grew there. They moved, moved into the land of Egypt where there was food. Remember, the, remember Joseph? I'm telling you, if you don't know all those little details, read your Bible. It's a fascinating book. But the fact that there was this group of people now that were enslaved, and God said, okay, the famine's over, and now it's time for you all to go and live in a separate place, the promised land where I've called you. So in Exodus 33, we see that it says, uh, God says to Moses, he actually spoke to him, and he's the one that's going to be the leader of all the people, lead them out of slavery. Let's just, I want to pause for a minute. Even if we see, you know, as we study history, slavery has never been God's idea. It never has been. Um, any kind of domination of one over another, it ha- again, you see it in culture a lot of times. It will happen in the workplace where there's the, the employees against the employers. And it's just, it, it can be human nature. There can be, you've, if you've lived very long, you've seen certain periods where um, there'll be like a, a female rising up. It's females are... You know, they're, they're not going to be dominated by the men. That's just a sin element. You'll see it as long as you're living here in the earth, but it's not God's plan. And so God called Moses and said, I want you to bring, I want you to lead the Israelite people into a place of freedom. In Exodus 33, the Lord said to Moses, get going. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them... I will give you this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Havites, and Jebusites. Well, why did God want them driven out? Well, they're the pagans. They're the ones that are offering their children as live sacrifices on burnt offerings. So, you know, God, he he couldn't allow that. And so he never intended for those people to inhabit Uh, the land. And so God's saying, I'm going to help you drive them out. He says, go up to the land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. You want to unpack that a little bit? Let's do. So the the Israelites had been uh, rebellious folk as they left Egypt And they're going into the promised land. One story that you might remember um, is whenever they were, Moses had gone up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments back in Exodus 14, I believe it is. And so he went up to the mountain and God was going to give him the Ten Commandments, the law. And you know what that was all about? Safety. Safety. Do a little uh, Google search sometime. Do a little research. In this time period, most people lived to be around 35 to 45. That was the average lifespan. God's people distinctly uh, lived longer. It was amazing. We're going to see a little bit more about that in a minute. But God gave them laws to make them, to protect them, to keep them healthy in a pagan society. See, you and I look in our culture, we think, ooh, wow, that's a tough way to live out there. People that don't follow God, it's not right. But do you know why it's not right? It'll kill you. (laughs) 
going against God's way will kill you. It breaks your health down. We're not created to live under the, the, the law of sin. And so if, if you recognize and you know what God says to do, here's what I try to do. Even if I don't understand it and I see it in God's word, I go, well, you're right. I'm going to do that because you're right. God wants good things for his people. So he separated them and put them, uh, said, I want to take you out to this land. And then we see here that um, in, at a particular instance I was about to reference, whenever Moses went up to Mount Sinai, the people just, just within a few days, they were like, where is he? Remember, they came from slavery, and they were living in the land of Egypt where people worshipped idols, where people worshipped. Really, there's no such thing as an idol. What's behind the idol? They're worshipping the devil. And so, uh, and how would we know? Again, child sacrifice, lots of sexual orgies, things like that. So, with um, whenever Moses went up to the mountain to get the law, as he left... Out of sight, out of mind, everybody's like, where is he? Oh, well, he's probably gone and won't ever come back. And so do you remember what happened? They got all their jewelry, and they built this uh, golden calf and began to worship it and say, this is our God. It probably represented something. It sounds dumb to us, but it probably represented something like prosperity, again, something from their pagan culture that they'd come from in Egypt. And so that's what God's saying when he says, I can't go with you. You're a stubborn, rebellious people, and so I'm going to send an angel before you. You want to see what Moses says? Let's go down to Exodus verse 15 there in chapter 33. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people of the earth. What did Moses say to God when God said, I'll just send an angel. I can't go. You people are messed up. Moses said, no, I'm not going to have it. If we don't have your presence, we're not going. Your presence makes us different. Your presence is proof that there is a God. Did you know that hasn't changed? The presence of God in your life is what makes you stand out. It's what makes your family different. It's what makes your thinking different. The presence of God in your life will make you stand out. It puts a distinction on your life. For example, what about with all the gender stuff going on? You and I are different where gender Choice is concerned. We believe that God created male and female in the very image of God. That we don't choose our gender. God, who is smarter than us, chooses our gender and we walk in his ways. Further than that, we're different. You're different. We believe what the Bible says, that God created the family. It's not an archaic institution. It is the very fabric of a healthy society. So God created family. He created marriage. Are you going to amen this one? I want to hear you. He created sex. The world would have you believe. The world would have you believe that that's their corner. No, no. God created the family unit, and within that family unit, within that marriage covenant, where there is a permanence, a life commitment, what a beautiful place for children to be raised in. 
What a safe place where mom and dad are saying, this is a life thing. We're not going anywhere. We're in it. You believe those things? You're different. Don't be conformed to the way the world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's think like he thinks. So the Israelites, um, God, God was so good and gracious. Don't you want to know what he said? Whenever Moses said, we're not going if you don't go, God said, he's always so kind. All right, I'll go. I'll go with you. I'll go with you and lead you. He's merciful and kind, and he led them into a new place. And so we see there that their presence, the presence of God did go with them. There's, a, there's supposed to be a difference when we encounter God in his presence in our lives on a Sunday, and we go out and live this thing all week. When we live with his presence during the week, moms and dads, play great Christian music in your home. Make your home a place. You don't want to come to church and be kind of like, wow, this is different. Every week we come and it's like, this is really wild. And then we go home and it's kind of different. No, your whole life should be different. And so your children, if you're raising children, you want them to experience God's presence in your home. Pray. You know, for, for various reasons, I was raised, probably because my parents didn't have a whole lot of money growing up, and God has certainly blessed them. Here they are many years later, and God's blessed them. But I grew up in a home, they prayed over everything. The washer starts rattling, they're laying hands. In the name of Jesus, we declare this washer will last until we can afford a new one. And I mean, I grew up with that. Different. You know, I wouldn't tell that at school. I knew we were different. So there's just some things about us. But what happened? That thing kept a working. It worked, and 15 years later, we got a new washer. <laughs> there's a favor on your life and mine when we follow him. It's a good thing. When you feel the pressure zone that the world would try to squeeze you into, you just go, hey, I'm free. You guys are the ones in the pressure. It's okay for you to be different. I want to look at someone, talk about different. Let's look at the book of Daniel, shall we? One of my favorite Bible characters. When I was raising my children, we homeschooled. And a number of times over their schooling years, I went to the book of Daniel. And I would say to them, this young boy, probably around anywhere from the time, in teenage years, maybe 13 to 17 when he was taken from his family and taken to the kingdom of Babylon where the king had looked and he had chosen the most handsome, the smartest among the Jewish uh, boys and girls, among those Jewish young people, and brought them into uh, Babylon to serve, to educate them there, and to serve them so that they could make the kingdom stronger. He's choosing the strongest. That's only wise, right? You choose the strongest and the wisest out there among the people, and you bring them in and make them uh, disciples of sorts. Well, that's what happened in the life of Daniel, and I would tell my children, listen, this kid probably by the age of 13, 14, he never saw his parents again, and he stood firm the rest of his life following the Lord, the rest of his life. The Bible calls him a man of an excellent spirit, that there was none like him. You know how I talked to you a minute ago about lifespan? In this time period, um, in Nebuchadnezzar's time period, their age, uh, their lifespan was about 35 for women and 45 for men. 
And so they didn't live very long in, in perspective in what we think of. Do you know how long Daniel lived? 80 years. 80 years, that lifespan. Ooh, I look around and I see some gray hair out there and I say, go, go guys. You're bringing forth the glory of God in the earth. It's the truth. So let's look at, at Daniel. I want to look at, um, I'd like you to go back and read the first part of Daniel chapter 1, but we're going to look at verse 8 today. Let me give you a little bit of background. So um, Daniel, and there's three other guys mentioned there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that are listed in this first chapter. And they're, they're brought in, and they had just, they're new, as probably just been in the the uh, kingdom of Babylon a short while. And so the king has a steward, Ashpenaz. And he tells Ashpenaz, he says, you take these guys. And um, these weren't the only four. There, were, there could have been 30, 40. I don't know. There may have been hundreds. But the Bible gives us a window into their lives in this first chapter. So he says, you take them and make sure that, that they follow these training programs. And so there was something for their eating. Something for their education. The Bible says they were taught in all literature, uh, science, those kinds of things. So they're being trained in the Babylonian ways. They're changing their names. They're changing their culture. And so with Daniel, um, we see that, that the main thing that we see that he stands up against, I, I would say, not contrary. You'll see he's not contrary. You know, just because we're different doesn't mean we got attitude. We don't like people. Mm, I don't like you. That's not, that is not Christianity, right? We are not cross followers if we're just like trying to make people feel uncomfortable. Here, here they come. They're intimidating and aggravating. Ugh. We're supposed to draw people, you know? So there, you'll see here that, that Daniel has, he is a different spirit. Um, but the first thing that, that they come in contact with is the rules regarding food. So I want to explain that before we read this. Um, the reason why God had food laws is, of course, because people weren't living very long. And he wanted to make a distinction. There was a lot of sickness, disease in these ancient time periods. And so God had laws for them for their protection. They didn't have modern, modern medicine. And they didn't have, you know, the, the library where you could go check out the health journal and see, why am I getting sick every time I turn around? They didn't know the reasons. So God didn't go into all the reasons. He didn't go into all the reasons, but he just told them, do this and don't do that. Eat this and don't eat that. And they lived longer. Thus, Daniel, at the age of 80. But here he is as a young man, and in verse 8, it says this. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, probably a blood wine, probably something used in pagan worship, probably from the, the blood of animals. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs, which is the king's steward, that he might not defile himself. I, I want to stop there, and we want to unpack this. There's so much in God's word in one verse. Watch this. Daniel purposed in his heart. He had already made a plan. He already knew. He'd been raised as a child what to eat and what not to eat as a Jewish young boy. And so he had already purposed in his heart. Who, who knows? He could have been seven years old. He could have been eight when he thought, I'm going to follow what mom and dad are telling me about what to eat and what not to eat. That boy was solid. He had already decided. He purposed where? In his heart. You won't hear, hey, hey, everybody. 
Let's don't eat that. Don't eat that. That's the king's stuff. That would have been a life or death situation. The king likes his menu. You better be careful. Off with your head. There wouldn't have been any wisdom in that. He purposed in his heart. Ladies and gentlemen, as Christ followers, there are some times we purpose things in our heart. It doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. We've decided, and it's okay. It's different. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to you. John, he, he usually has the platform, and you hear things proclaimed, and you get to decide in your heart what you're going to agree with and those kinds of things and follow the Lord for yourself. But we see here a great example of a young man who had already purposed in his heart before the pressure got there. Do you have some non-negotiables in your life? Some things that you're not going to back up on. Again, I'm, I'm using my own experience today because I, didn't, I don't live your life. But uh, from my own experience, one of the things that we, in raising our children, we said, listen, guys, we only, we only date Christians. They were 16, and we gave them the opportunity to date. I think my daughter had her first date at 24. But anyway, um, if, if they had chosen to date, the, the point was, the Bible says we don't, we're not unequally yoked with unbelievers. So you stay within the faith family. And when you're choosing someone, you, you choose within the faith family. That is different. That's different. So um, here, here's what we see there. Da- Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't eat um, of the king's delicacies. And then I want you to notice this next thing here. After the semicolon there, it says, therefore he requested of the chief's eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You might want to circle that word requested. Let's just unpack that a little bit. He requested. He didn't demand. He didn't scream and yell, I'm not eating this nasty stuff. I am a child of the Most High God. He was, but he knew who he was, and he could use the language of silence. Sometimes when we don't say something, oh, we're saying something. (laughs) Just by not saying something, we're saying something. Daniel said... I will not in his heart. But then when he was talking aloud, he requested of the king's steward that he might not eat of of those foods. I I want to say this to you. Faith puts no pressure on anybody. When you're believing God, Daniel's obviously believing God for the outcome on this situation. Daniel requested not demanded. You know what? That'll work for you at home. Husbands and wives, that'll work for you. Are you asking or are you telling? Daniel was a man of great, great favor. He requested of a dignitary, even though he felt really strong, really strong in his faith, he requested. He didn't demand the other thing we see here, let's, let's move on to verse 9. It says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief eunuch. That favor and goodwill, I think, came from his uh, good people skills, that he knew how to engage with someone that was an authority over him. He knew when to keep his mouth shut, and he knew when to speak up. Daniel had courage. Remember, he's the one that was in the lion's den. He had courage. It wasn't a matter of courage. It was a matter of he also had wisdom. And he was believing God for the outcome. If you go on to verse 12 through 14, it talks about how the king's steward agreed to Daniel. 
He agreed to his request. And he said, okay, it's a life or death situation for me as well. But he said, if, let, let's just do this. And Daniel said, 10 days, 10 days. It's a test, 10 days. That's all I'm asking. Me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just 10 days. And if at the end of that, we don't look healthier, then we'll revisit this. He's trusting God for the outcome. He's going to do what God said, but he's trusting God for the outcome. He doesn't know. We know because we're reading it years later, and we know the outcome. But there was favor on Daniel's life. There's favor on your life, too. Be willing to stand and watch it work on your, on your behalf. At the end of the 10 days, Ashpenaz found that these guys were healthier. It, it, in the, I think it's in the King James Version. It's, it says... Uh, Fleshier or more full, more, more fleshy, something like that. So I, I guess in those days, the more, maybe the chubbier you were, the, the hey, that's a healthy person, probably in a time period where people didn't always get three uh, meals a day. And so at the end of that period, vegetables and water, and they're healthier than the others. Amazing. God's favor will not only give you direction as it did Daniel, there'll be a distinction on your life. Things happen in your life when you believe his promises. There's a distinction on your life for healing. There's a distinction on your life for your family to stay intact. For your family to be strong and to bring him glory through your family unit. I encourage you today, stand up, stand out, and dare to be different. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, God had a, a people that he set aside. I read that to you. He said, I want you to to stand out. I want you to be different. So he actually set, set them apart. And he said, you're my people. I'll be your God. But you know what? Things are different in the New Testament in a way. Um, same principle of favor and distinction. But the difference is when Jesus came, gave his life on the cross for us, it was wide open for everybody. In the Old Testament, people had to, to come in almost as a, in a physical way, come in and be a part of the Jewish culture to adopt their ways and be favored by God. So much more difficult back then. But when Jesus came, the doors were wide open for anyone to step into the favor, to step into the distinction, to step into the community, to step into the family of God. I want to read to you from John 1, 12. But to as many as receive him, him Jesus, to them gave he power to become the children of God. You see, in, in our day, the day you're living, anybody, this is open to anybody. Now, they're staying away by the dozens. You can see uh, empty seats. But the fact is, that's happening all across, you know. There's, there's, that's one reason why we will stand before God without an excuse. First of all, people couldn't wake up today and see that stuff falling from the sky and go, you know, they're not going to go into all that scientific stuff. That's, the, that's opportunity where the Spirit of God is telling them, I'm here. I'm real. Every time the seasons change, he reveals himself to the earth. Every time the sun rises, in fact, every time they take a breath, they're going to stand before God one day and there'll be all these ways that he revealed himself on a daily basis. Now, in the New Testament, he's calling all of us to rise up and be all that he's called us to be for your lives to be a life of distinction. I want to close in prayer today and I want you just to take a few minutes
as I'm, I'm chatting here, you have a conversation in your head with the Lord. What are some things that he is maybe placing his finger on that he wants you to be different? That, or that he's encouraging and, and strengthening you. Maybe there's some things that you felt like you were swimming upstream, and he's saying, you're right where I want you. You're doing exactly what I've called you to do. In your family, in your job situation, in your community, you're exactly where you should be. I want you just to reflect for a few minutes and ask him, Lord, what are some ways that you want me to set myself apart? In 2 Timothy, I think it's 2 Timothy 2, 2. It might be 1 Timothy 2. But it talks about we should set ourselves apart as vessels for his finer use. It talks about how in a great house, in a palace, there are vessels of gold and silver. And there, it talks about how there are vessels that are not used for anything uh, wonderful. So in those times period, those time periods, they might have been reflecting on like a, a garbage dispenser, you know, something like that. So different types of vessels, but that we could set ourselves, we can set ourselves, we can choose. There's the church at, at, um, at, at wide, uh, I, I'm, I'm floundering, at large, there we go. There's the church at large, and then there's you. You know, you and I, we're, we're going to stand before God as an individual. I'm not going to stand next to John. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to stand as an individual before him. And so today, I want you to be encouraged. Whatever he speaks to you, it'll be good. He's calling you to something higher. He's calling you to a place in him where his presence sets you apart as different and unique. Would you just take a few minutes and pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word and what we saw in it today. How you set aside a group of people, the Israelites, and you worked so mightily through them. And we have it in your word today um, that we can read and reflect on the amazing things you did through their lives. Lord, I thank you for what we uh, are called to. That you've called us to a life of goodness, of distinction. That we are still proof that there is a God that there is a good God in the earth, and he has good things for people who will follow him. Lord, we just ask that you would, right now in this place, that your spirit would begin to speak across the room. Lord, I pray that you would just bring clarity about how you want us to live our lives in strength, in goodness, how you want us to make a difference in this earth, to be light and salt. Father, I pray that there would be such a clarity, and even as we leave this place, um, and you're speaking thoughts to each one here, um, I pray that we would write those things down, that we would uh, put them in our, our notepads and remember God's taken me to a new place. Lord, we just trust you with our lives, and we count it a pleasure to be marked with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Gwen. You know, in, in high school, when they looked at me and said, Miller, you're different, it wasn't a compliment. But when they called me Father John in high school in football, because they noticed that I, I didn't cuss, and I 
It was different. And what was, and I've shared this before, what was so amazing is somebody that I, you know, was, just who I was, is the day that they said, uh, uh, John Miller report down to the office. And I thought, I didn't do anything. And when I got down to the office, they said the student body had voted me as one of the class favorites. And I was like, no, 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 check again. That's under Father John. That's... Let me tell you, people are watching you, and I was so surprised, but people are watching you. And even though that they might not seem to be complimenting you, that you're different, that we walk in identity, that we are different. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen. Thank you, Gwen, for that. And my takeaway is, again, those words, stand up, stand out, and be different. So I want to announce quickly before we're dismissed uh, some of the things that are happening. Next week, uh, I'll be preaching, starting a new series on hope. And if you noticed the banner, we'll have some other banners outside and stuff advertising hope is here. Now, they tell me through what I've studied is what people look for is unfailing love. And we know, as we're people that are different, because we know that God is love, and we know that he is not just having love, but he is love. And a lot of people are missing that element, therefore they have no hope in their future, especially in the day that comes when they leave this earth. What we're going to be talking about is, the first sermon is anchoring in, where is our hope anchored in? And so I would encourage you to be here for the next five weeks. We're going to do some things during this time. October 31st, if anybody has heard of that date before, October 31st is usually considered Halloween. What we're going to do as a church is, if you did not know, we own a coffee shop just about 1,000 feet to our west. And uh, at Axiom Coffee, we're going to advertise that uh, the chapel is going to partner with Axiom Coffee. So some people in the neighborhood will be like, wow, how did that church get involved, you know, to partner with them? They don't realize, no, 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 Axiom is there because of us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have an outreach on that night, and it's a bridge, a relationship, evangelism uh, outreach. And what we're going to do is uh, on that day, um, I know the guy that roasts coffee, and he's going to give all the black coffee free for our community. And then also, all the hot chocolate will be free on that night. And then we're going to ask you in the next couple of weeks to donate candy. And you say, Pastor, I don't have time to go get candy. Then we'll take money, cash, and then we'll buy the candy and be able to give it to the kids that come by. And also, on that night, we're putting together some things, and we're hoping that to be some Christian music in the back. And uh, hopefully, if the weather is permitting, we'll, we'll have a, even a plan that they can hear about the gospel. So that's on October the 31st. And uh, Quentin, I think he, is he in here right now? Quentin's in the hallway kind of helping with security. And, uh, but he's going to help me in that, and we encourage you to be here on October 31st. And Heath is putting some things together at Axiom that we can, we can again present who we are. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So at, at the coffee shop, there are people that will come in and they'll go, no, 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 really, who owns this? And uh, I say, no, 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 it's the church that owns it. And so we are blessed to be a part of Axiom Coffee. And uh, 
some of the largest churches in the world, as you know, Gateway and some of the other ones in this area, Milestone and, and uh, Calvary Church and all those, they actually use Axiom Coffee as Bible study, uh, as one of their Bible study locations. And so we're privileged to not only own it, but be kingdom-minded that the kingdom of God uses Axiom Coffee. And if you know the story, we also bless Honduras by buying the coffee from a mission that supports um, the kingdom of God and is part of the kingdom of God. So that's on October 31st. On November 20th, I know Thanksgiving moves, but that's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And what we're going to do is have a Thanksgiving lunch on that Sunday. So we're going to be advertising all that good stuff and how that's going to go with this whole campaign on hope. And we want to encourage you that we have things like men's Bible studies and breakfasts and now the ladies' Bible studies going every Tuesday night. And ladies, let me tell you, you're missing it if you do not come. I've even thought about putting a wig on and a dress and slipping in and seeing it, but I'm not going to do that. That's just because of who I am. I am different, but I'm not that different on that. So uh, we know all those things are going on, but during this time, during the HOPE campaign, we want to encourage you to invite friends because most research says that people don't go to church because they don't know anybody at that church. So part of the barrier is already broken down if they know somebody that will invite them to come to church. I've talked to Curtis and Callie, and they've done evangelism all over, and even in the streets and knocking on doors and things. And it's building a relationship, be able to present the gospel and those people to be able to trust you that you're speaking the truth. So I want to encourage you because there's people that you know that I will never know. And people that you take for granted have known. Yeah, I know them. I've known them for years. Have you ever just invited them into the kingdom of God? Well, no, I... Well, that's another story, but we want to encourage you to invite them to church and so that they'll realize that the love of God is not just on Sunday morning, but all through the week in the people's lives that serve the kingdom of God and God. So this morning, I want you to be reminded of these announcements because we love you and we're appreciated that you're here. Um, the offering is at the back on the way out, and we want to, uh, again, remind you if you'd like to donate to the Hope campaign will be able to do things for the community. Why don't you stand with me and pray? Thank you again, Gwen, for that message. Let me tell you, the last couple weeks before today, I was able to hear uh, Neil Burham while we were out of town on vacation. I heard that on the, it's amazing, isn't it, the internet? Well, I, I don't go to church. Why? Because all these reasons. But let me tell you what's amazing that God has provided the way to look on the internet and watch a whole sermon weeks, months, and even years later. And then last week with Craig Groshen presenting the gospel in a fresh way. I think he's going to be at the Young Adults uh, next Sunday night. And uh, hmm, again, I might have to dye my hair and look like I'm a young adult and sneak in the back door. But I did say I'm different, right? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the allowing us just the privilege of having your presence with us, not just on Sunday, but all through the week. Father, we love you so much, and thank you for the good news of Justin and Kristen having a child. God, thank you for the good news, God, of knowing that you are there. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming to the chapel. Go get them, guys.